So we've been talking about addictions and how they can keep us stuck and keep a, a grip on our life and keep us from living out the, the fruit and the freedom that Christ promises us. But today we want to put uh, some skin around the area of addictions around pornography and help understand what, what can keep us stuck and what does recovery look like? Can God bring healing in the area of pornography addiction? Today we're going to talk about that. Welcome to Hope and Recovery, a Fellowship Celebrate Recovery podcast that shares hope and healing for our mental, spiritual, emotional, and relational journey through life change stories and recovery topics, all centered around the Beatitudes, where Jesus, through the Celebrate Recovery principles, helps us to face our hurts, our hangups, and those faulty core beliefs that we believe about ourselves, God, and others. And ultimately face those habits, those compulsive behaviors or defenses or protections that we might form as a result. And even face those broken relationships to walk in freedom. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with drugs and alcohol and perfectionism. My name is Rodney. Uh, I am the uh, ministry leader of Fellowship Celebrate Recovery in Rogers. And so glad to be here back with you. I hope you've been enjoying these conversations around addictions and and learning some things about all kinds of addictions. But today, I want to put a little bit of skin on that and, and just uh, give you some hope, uh, especially in the arena of pornography and and understanding that that there is a process, that there is hope in this area of addictions. And I've got a great brother in Christ here that I love and respect. He's a friend and brother in Christ and actually one of our uh, leaders, a training coach here at Celebrate Recovery in Rogers. And I'm so grateful that uh, he's willing to come on. Uh, Eric, thanks so much for being here today, man. Thanks, Rodney. I am a grateful follower of Jesus Christ. I struggle with lust, pornography, the painful her divorce, and food issues. And my name is Eric. Hey, Eric. So glad you're here, man. So I, I don't know if you've been listening, but the we've been walking through some kind of addiction conversations. And this is a big one, I think. Uh, I think uh, just through the, I think it came out this week, actually, can God really bring healing? And we want to give some hope to those that might be struggling with, uh, with addictions, but, but man, take me, take me as, as vulnerable as you want to be. Uh, you know, I know we're on a, a platform where lots of people are listening, so I want to honor that as well. And I think you can kind of get some of those roots, but what did, what did that path look like? As we were talking about the kind of the root of addictions is we're trying to fill this emptiness inside of us. What did that emptiness look like in Eric's life? Yeah, so I think it's really interesting because I have two memories whenever I was five years old. Hmm. One of them was me accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. My parents always prayed for me right before I went to bed and my dad and I, I remember my dad kneeling down and me praying to ask Jesus Christ into my heart. So it's a great memory. The other memory that I have when I was five years old was a neighborhood girl out in the front yard asked me to do some inappropriate things in the front yard. Mm. And I was five. She was probably around 12 or somewhere in there. And I think it was more about curiosity for her mm-hmm. than it was about, uh, you know, sexual things. But anyway, regardless, so a neighbor saw what was going on, called my mom 
And uh, my mom talked to me about it afterwards. And, eh, that's not something you want to do ever. And it's not something you want to do in the front yard. Uh, but yeah. anyway, that was, and even though that was not a, what I would consider a sexual experience, it was still an inappropriate, uh, it was inappropriate. And it got my mind thinking that way. And so later, uh, as I got older and adolescence, that memory of that happening in the front yard uh, fueled my lust. Mm. And so whenever I'm at Celebrate Recovery, I say I struggle with lust first and mm. then pornography. Lust led to pornography. So anyway, that was the beginning. When I was eight years old, I remember my mom and dad had a collection of National Geographic magazines. They're not considered pornographic at all, yeah. but they had some naked African-American or African, they were an American, African people. And those started fueling my lust. They mm -hmm. excited me. And so uh, my mom had to replace the uh, National Geographic magazines because she saw that I was really interested in them. And so yeah. she put them up too high where I couldn't reach them. But that, again, the memory, seeing the path to where it ended up, you know, so eight years old, as I got into elementary school, I discovered that my mom, she had a bunch of women magazines laying around the house and these were not pornographic. Right. However, they had uh, pictures of uh, women in underwear and they yeah. had uh, uh, some, uh, what I would say, provocative question or uh, uh, pictures. And so yeah. anyway, again, that just fueled the lust in my mind and it just kept going on. And I got into junior high. My father managed property and he had a master key and I was working for him and I got into houses while people were at work. And there I discovered real pornography mm. and I started looking at um, uh, magazines. And then some, I got, I saw my first rated X video and boy, did that open up a door for lust and, yeah. and all kinds of things in my life. Let, so let's, let's, let's unpack what lust is. Cause I think, you know, that's an area of addiction. Um, and we were talking about this earlier that, I mean, God created sexuality, right. And, and the enemy comes in and kind of steals that that pure uh, track of how we view sex and such. But what is lust uh, to you? If you were defining what lust is, what is that? Well, it's a desire for something that I shouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that idea of, um, or maybe, yeah, just I want to, I have this desire to consume it. Right. I'm going to consume you and they become objects that become means to an end to fill that that void inside of me. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So, OK, so you're getting into um, starts kind of kind of minor and then now it's kind of progressed into some deeper stuff. And now you're viewing pornography and and what did that cycle look like for Eric? I mean, that probably is a little bit miserable for you is how old are you now at this point? Yeah. So I was in junior high whenever junior I looked high. at some real pornography and that opened up the door. And of course, even the, the other things, the Sears catalog, you know, I would look, go to the women's section and, and look through that. And as that happened, I always immediately had some guilt and shame that would come over me and I would feel really bad and that's okay. I'm not going to do that again. Well, then inevitably it would happen again after the shame or guilt wore off. Then he'd go, I hey, remember that fun thing that you did. Yeah. Why don't you try that again? And so it, that just continued and it escalates, which is just the, the same with, 
whether it's a food issue or alcohol or anything, it starts off minor and then it continues to grow, which is what addiction does is it, yeah. it it's never, you know, the lie is, is that this is going to be enough. And then I take it and then it's not enough. And then I want more and more and it continues to grow in severity. So that kind of happened with me. Uh, whenever I was, my mom was in, uh, when I was in high school, my mom started working for a cable company and mm. we got free HBO and Cinemax. And again, those, those viewing services aren't considered pornographic. Mm -hmm. However, their movies are a lot of their movies, especially late at night are, yeah. are very sensual. And so I would sneak into our den upstairs and I would watch them late at night. I'd watch these things and just consuming that and just my lust and pornography grew when I was in college. Um, I was always too, and again, I had Christ living in my life. I'd have this uh, conviction and I would white knuckle mm -hmm. something for maybe even 90 days, a month, you know, or whatever. I would white knuckle it and then the temptation would become so great. I would find a way to fulfill that, you know, that hunger that mm -hmm. I had the, in the addiction. And so in college, other people would have pornographic magazines. I was always too embarrassed to go get it, but I would find a way to do it. And then I learned that I could lust in my mind mm -hmm. with girls that I saw around. And mm -hmm. I think I mentioned to this you earlier, I was like a robot. I'd walk around and I would start uh, scanning the room and seeing who yeah. I could lust and who I could talk, you know, or who I could think about. And so those things happened. And in college, something happened. Uh, my senior year, uh, one of my best friends got married his senior year. And um, I was a groomsman and the best man and myself took him to a gentleman's club. And I say gentleman very mm -hmm. sarcastically because um, there weren't gentlemen that went to yeah. these places. And so that was my first experience with a men's club. And wow, I, we went there thinking it was going to be a joke. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, it was so impactful on my life. It just it made me go even deeper into my pornography addiction and just yeah. continued on. Well, that's good just to make note of that. I mean, your heart, it sounds like in that cycle, and sometimes we can, we can just see ourselves as bad people, right? It's like your your heart wanted to stop, but the hunger and thirst that that would inevitably be fed, and you know that cycle uh, would would take you to places that you the shame would come up. You felt bad about yourself, and so I think it's just important to note that this is why creating new paths is so important because as long as we're we're staying on that path feeding it what we're feeding it we begin to crave that more right right and i've said that before but just the we crave you know, what we're eating if i eat junk food i begin to crave more junk food and so it's just it's just a good picture what you're painting a sad picture and just imagine the what was happening inside of Eric when you're in this cycle and feeling these feelings, even in an early age, you're feeling things that you didn't know you could feel. And it kind of opened these doors that you didn't know existed. And it feels right, but feels so wrong. And just the shame and just what if I'm shining a flashlight, what am I seeing in Eric's heart there? Yeah, I think it's a dichotomy. It's a there are compartmentalization going on and. So I was very blessed with parents who loved me. Um, and, and even whenever I got into recovery and later I started thinking, well, I really wasn't, 
I, I, I really, this didn't start out of because I was abused physically and I just ran. I wanted to escape. That wasn't it at all. It was all mm. about pleasure and giving myself something that my flesh desired and mm. it had nothing. So I really got started from just wanting to fulfill a, a lust. And that's mm. why I struggle with lust. And so I wanted to fulfill this thing that I knew was uh, the grass is greener on the other side mm-hmm. type thing. But then there was the other side that I was involved in church and I never got involved in substance abuse or other kinds of addiction, but I had this little secret sin over here. And that was my, that was my addiction. That was a thing that I would, that I held on to. And so anyway, that was kind of it. I had, I had a, a duality there. Mm-hmm. It was almost not a split personality, but I certainly related to the uh, Jekyll and Hyde thing. It's mm-hmm. like I was Mr. I was Dr. Jekyll most of the time, but then at night or then whenever I was alone, mm-hmm. then that, that Mr. Hyde came out and I started feeding that. And it's interesting. You mentioned the whole feeding, uh, things. It's amazing. Whatever you feed gets stronger. Mm-hmm. And if I had two dogs and I fed the one that was ugly and mean, uh, he would be the one that would strong it'd be strong and would win out over the, mm-hmm. the good animal. And so I was feeding the wrong things, yeah. uh, in my life. And I would try to take care of it on my own power. My dad's a very a uh, man's man. And he taught me, Hey, if you think you can do something, you can do something. And yeah. so that's the way I combated it for years. I mean, most of my life. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm, I'm just kind of sensitive to even thinking about our listeners that are there. They're, they're Mr. Hyde, maybe more often than not. And just the, that, what that place can be like, I mean, that's a really hard, scary place. Cause it feels like, and one of those narratives, Eric, and you've heard this, but the recovery is not possible in this area, right? You're going to, you might as well just get used to it. Everybody's doing it. So just make this your new mission and just try to manage it well and don't get too crazy with it. And, and uh, that's what everybody's doing. We talk about defeat. Uh, how did those, those kind of messages, for, did, where were those, those outside voices that you were hearing saying, ah, it does, I don't feel good about myself, but there's outside forces saying it's not that big a deal. Isn't everybody doing it? Right. And I think that for me, um, so rated R movies, for instance, mm-hmm. um, and I don't want to, I don't know the percentage, but a good portion of rated R movies, the reason why they're rated R is because there's some kind of a sex scene or yeah. something involved there. And I would watch rated R movies. Ah, well, this is just a movie. It's not a big deal. And everybody, I mean, my, you know, women and men both go to rated R movies and we go see that. I remember my wife and I going to see Titanic and we were like, cause there were, it was PG 13 and there was mm-hmm. a really strong scene in that. And I was like, wow. Yeah. And, but I would use that as a justification. It's like, well, it's just a rated R movie that mm-hmm. everybody, you know, everybody goes sees those when they were, they're of age yeah. and I would go see those. But my intent was to see the nudity was, uh, to see the, the inappropriate, scenes in there and yeah I, I would see that and that would lead me into deeper yeah. i would say okay well uh, it's not much more of a jump for me to go watch this other video that has mm-hmm. even more of that so i think again the duality thing was the thing with me i had this part of me it was a, it, jekyll and hyde describes it really well i would be you know I, I was very good about not involving myself in other addictions and other things but boy i had this other thing and i kept it secret mm-hmm. which is another thing about recovery is that uh, once it's exposed 
and I start shedding light on that, it becomes weaker. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to take a quick break here, Eric, when we come back, I want to, I want to kind of, um, kind of lean into what, what was the breaking point and kind of turn the corner. When did that recovery journey uh, begin to start with you? Thanks Eric for being with us today. And when we come back, we'll continue with Eric talking about pornography addiction. Hey friends, we always want to encourage you and just remind you that you cannot face whatever that is. Maybe it is pornography addiction, maybe it's alcohol addiction or whatever compulsive behavior you've developed. Don't try to face that on your own. There's a a group of people that would love to walk through this with you, inviting Jesus into those safe spaces to face our hurts, hangups, and habits. Come see us at Fellowship Fayetteville, Fellowship Rogers, Celebrate Recovery every Friday night. Go to fellowshipcr.org for more information. Welcome back. Talking with Eric. Uh, He's one of our great leaders and brothers in Christ uh, here at Fellowship Celebrate Recovery in Rogers. And and so, Eric, we were talking about just that that pattern of even the rated R movies and some of those uh, neighborhoods, so to speak, you were hanging out in. At what point did it become too much? And what was the breaking point that says this is not working? Years of this cycle. How did that, that become a catalyst toward change? So let me give you a little context. So I got married to my childhood sweetheart right after college, and um, we struggled um, in our relationship even before we got married. It should have been a red flag, but it wasn't. I, I love this girl, and we got married. And as we continued to struggle, and she had some things that were a struggle for her, she would blow up, get really angry. She would leave for a weekend, come back. Anyway, as she started, uh, there were some verbal um, problems there, verbal abuse. And as mm. I started experiencing hurt through that relationship, I started reaching out to pornography even more. I remember um, one night after a fight going, and, and I had been asked to be an intern. And this is, I was in Fort Worth, Texas, and I was asked to be an intern at a church. And so I was working with a youth group. I had a key to the church. Mm-hmm. And I remember my wife and I getting into a fight. And I remember driving down the road and I had driven by this triple X video store multiple times. I said, I'm just going to go in there. And I went in there and uh, bought a video, went to the church, uh, had the key to the church, went in, used their video equipment, Mm. watched the pornography, watched this triple X video on their stuff. And I started thinking about just how, you know, how, how, how far I had come in my uh, addiction. And, um, at one point, um, you know, I, I just, I, I didn't care. I didn't care about the consequences. I just, I'm just going to do this. And because, you know, I deserve it or, you know what, she did this to me and I'm going to do this and, you know, I deserve this. And so anyway, it just got really bad. Eventually, uh, I was in seminary and, uh, my ex-wife, um, uh, I got, again, it wasn't even probably people wouldn't call it pornography, but it was a woman's magazine. And she caught me, uh, looking at this magazine. And at this time I had a one and a half year old baby girl and she exploded. And that was the first time that she knew that I had an issue or a problem Hmm. with lust and with that. And she kicked me out of the house. When I came back, all the furniture was gone. And so this kind of was a catalyst of like, okay, brought it into the light. 
this is a problem. Yeah. I've got a problem. And so again, I didn't know about recovery. In fact, I remember uh, reaching out to the Minrith Meyer clinic in Dallas and because they, they deal with addictions and that sort of thing. And I called them they're like, Hey, you really need to get into a group. You need to get into a recovery community. I was like, if I tell my wife about this, she will leave. And they said, well, unfortunately that may be the case, but there's only one way to get help in yeah. recovery. And so I wasn't, I was unwilling at that time. So anyway, yeah. after my wife blew up and, we went through all of those things. Uh, she didn't really know how deep my pornography addiction was and all of that stuff, but she ended up leaving me, taking my daughter with her. And um, to be honest with you, I got remarried in 97 and my current wife knew about my addiction. I told her about it. She wanted to work with me through that. Um, I had many times where I had accountability, but that was the only uh, key or the only thing that I was doing was this accountability mm -hmm. and that didn't work either. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a pastor tell me, uh, we went through the, a great book called every man's battle. We went through this book together and I said, do you, I said, have you heard about this thing called celebrate recovery? And he goes, yeah, he goes, but you know, that's really for pedophiles, alcoholics, drug addicts. He mm. goes, do you really think you're that bad? <laughs> Thanks a lot. And yeah. I was like, well, I mean, I'm, I haven't been, you know, I'm not a criminal. I mean, no, I, I guess, I guess not. Yeah. And so, you know, and he wasn't aware of what celebrate recovery right. can do for, for an individual. And so anyway, so I continued to white knuckle it and do all these things. So fast forward to 2010, it's been, you know, uh, 16 years since my divorce and, uh, I'm, I'm sitting there in the den and my ex-wife, my first daughter was 16. And, and then I get this text saying that my daughter was, um, that she had disappeared and she hadn't come home. Anyway, that led to um, me getting her into recovery. Mm -hmm. And once she got into recovery, I started seeing her life change yeah. here at Celebrate Maybe Recovery. Maybe this can work for me. Maybe this yeah. can work for me. Yeah. And so I then got into the adult thing. I will tell you uh, that was a process as well. But once I started working this process and realizing that it wasn't just accountability that I needed, yeah. that I needed to take a deep dive into myself. I needed to look at all the way back to when I was five years old, uh, yeah. see where all this stuff happened. I needed to identify triggers that I had. I needed to, and, and it's amazing, Rodney, uh, how much um, I've been a Christian since I was five, but before recovery, I didn't really spend a daily time with God. I didn't mm. really take time to spend time with him. All of these things were I was feeding the wrong dog. I yeah. was feeding the wrong thing. And so I came here, learned that I could feed uh, my spiritual life, that I could have community. I could mm -hmm. have um, connection yeah. with men that struggled with me with the same things. And I started seeing healing in my life. And now I'm 13 years sober. Praise yeah, God. That's awesome. Yeah. And you, you hit on something, just the connection you know, that sometimes we feel like we got to get it all figured out before we can reconnect. And it's actually the opposite connection with God and others is actually the remedy. It's, it's the, the antidote to the shame and the, the pain. So, so you get into a step study, your, your process and the, the stuff, obviously you have lots of years of sobriety. Now someone is listening and, and just trying to think about the step study process. What was it about the step study that became a, a big catalyst for you in, you know, the whole people, places and things kind of changing those things. How did the step study celebrate recovery as a whole open share Friday night worship experience, all that. 
how did that play into this new mindset and this new life of recovery? So I had it described to me this way in my first step study that recovery is very much like going through the woods Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to beat a new path, a new neural pathway in my mind. And that at first it's like taking a machete and it is like tough. I am, I am swiping at bushes and swiping at trees and I'm trying to beat a path, but as I do that, I do make a path. And then before I know it, if I travel back through that path, then mm-hmm. it gets a little stronger before it becomes a dirt road. And then it becomes a gravel road. Then it becomes an asphalt road. And then it becomes a four lane highway. And yeah. all of a sudden I'm able to, I'm able to walk this recovery path. And so yeah. it, I think you said it best is that it's a pro it's, it's a process that I need all elements of this yeah. process. It's not me uh, coming one time to celebrate recovery on Friday night. It's not me going through a step study one time. It's not me, yeah. you know, doing one daily quiet time. It's me con- doing this consistently and walking this path. And so I guess I learned to be consistent in my spiritual yeah. walk. I mean, it really, I, I think I shared with you earlier, seminary, people that are going into ministry, this ought to be a required course mm. because it really teaches a person how to walk with the Lord, how to draw near to God mm. and become close to him and continue that walk through our life. And so it, it taught me something that I will forever be grateful for, the how to walk with Jesus. Yeah, I love that picture of the woods and kind of, kind of cutting through the debris. And you talk about that road, and this is just a good reminder of, of you know, just the idea of stimulating our brain with something else, our mind with something else. But, you know, we have the highway here close to us. If, if they cut off and blocked a certain section of the highway for a period of time and let nobody drive on it, what would happen? The, the, the weeds and the grass would begin to grow through the pavement, right? And so I think that that imagery is if we can, if we can take a different path, we'll allow something new to grow, right? We're taking new paths to stimulate our mind. And even just you're talking about getting in the word, um, being mindful of, you know, what am I feeding my brain? What am I feeding my body even? Cause when I feel lethargic, when I feel bad, usually then in my physical, then, then it affects my mind. But so being in the word, um, staying in community, I'm hearing you say connecting with other guys. Um, uh, what about in the middle of, you know, when those temptations come up, how do I, how can I be proactive? How do I react in the moment? How do I respond? What do you say to that? So I think that Celebrate Recovery has taught me to really know myself and to evaluate my triggers. And we had this conversation before the podcast that recognizing that, okay, maybe I don't need to watch rated R movies. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to stop hanging around these neighborhoods that caused me, maybe that that one little thing didn't cause me to act out or to have a problem right then, but it led, I could, I could see the breadcrumb trail all the way to the relapse and it started way over here. So it helped me to recognize where my triggers were and how to know myself and to know what I need to do. And like you said, feeding, feeding the spiritual, feeding that. And that includes Celebrate Recovery Friday night, open share and step study. I've Mm -hmm. done seven step studies. And so I think for me, the realization that, 
okay, I'm not going to ever be completely healed. In other words, I can't ever stop being close to God because once I stop being close to God, then I'm going to go right back in. In fact, I would say to the person that's thinking, you know, I, I need change. I need help. I need, I need this. How can I do this? That going in, knowing that the destination is not your sobriety, mm-hmm. that's just a byproduct of the walk. And so if, if I said one thing that celebrated, it taught me to walk with Jesus mm-hmm. and that I need this the rest of my life and the byproduct would be sobriety. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And you, you talked about that in a recent teach. I love that. Yeah. The, it's not about just being sober because we, we can become a slave to just managing our sobriety, right? It's like that picture of barbed wire around our life the rest of our life is like ugh, that doesn't sound real pleasant but having guardrails is important right and so knowing what what you can and can't do is important just to protect your heart so that you don't end up in that bad neighborhood is important so so eric somebody's listening they're neck deep in this and they have tried everything they've done a million apps and you know, a rubber band on the wrist to pop themselves when they think, you know, or I have to put $20 in the cup every time, you know, I've heard some really, really bizarre things through the years, but what do you say to that person that's listening? That's just sick and tired of being sick and tired in the area of pornography addiction. Right. I, I go back to the steps and the principles that we follow. And the very first step is realizing that I am not God. Yeah. That I, I, I've tried this over, I'm in a cycle of insanity doing the same thing over and over again, and I cannot change this myself. I need yeah. help. And so once I come to that realization, then I need to do whatever it takes to get that help. And that was one of the things, and I love the saying that you have to hate your addiction or your problem worse than the pain of recovery. Because recovery, it's not a, oh, I'm going to go one time and I'm healed. Yay, yeah. I don't have to do Drive through else. recovery. <laughs> so that that's not the truth. The truth is that I need to work this process and draw near to God and continue to walk it. And then I'm going to see the byproduct of sobriety and hope. And the great thing is, is that it's not only the hope, it's the relationship with the God of the universe. I am at peace. I have got so many byproducts of walking this process of healing and the connections with other people, with you, Rodney, with my step study buddies, with my open share group, so many byproducts of just doing, um, walking with Jesus. And that's what Celebrate Recovery does. So I would say, recognize you got a problem and then, uh, realizing that you needed to work that process and it's going to be a process. Yeah. Yeah. And I love just looking at your life. It's, it's not just uh, getting away from that. It's what am I moving toward and the things that I'm adding in those new healthy practices, new healthy truths, stimulating my mind with new things, new relationships, healthy relationships, healthy, uh, things that I'm consuming. Um, and then dealing with with the wounds, right? Dealing with the wounds of of the effects of that, and and then owning our part and how we've hurt people around us uh, through that. So, so I also want to say one last thing is that you know we have a saying that we're only as sick as our secrets, mm-hmm. and I kept that a secret for so long, and as long as I keep it a secret, it's going to have power over me. Yeah. And so bringing that into light, the fact that I'm on a podcast talking <laughs> about my. Pornography addiction yeah. and going through that, um, 
is huge Yeah, that I can talk about it on the other side now saying that I have been free for almost 13 years and it's, and it's only by the power of our higher power, Jesus Christ, but bringing that into the light Mm. and allowing others into that, especially God, but you Rodney as my sponsor coming into that and and saying, Mm. Hey, you know, you need to watch this. You need to be careful. Your wife is out of town. Maybe you need to let me know whenever she's out of town so I can keep you accountable. You know, letting other men into this the space, letting God into this space and just bring it into light. So. Yeah, I love that. Well, Eric, thanks as always uh, for your vulnerability. Uh, thank you for your wisdom. Uh, the biggest message I'd say is recovery is possible in this area. And I'm, I'm looking at that guy and and there's many men that we know that have sobriety and, and recovery, not just sobriety, but recovery. And that's a big difference. So, Eric, thanks for being with us today, man. Grateful for you, brother. Well, I hope this has been uh, beneficial for you uh, just to uh, put some hope in a hopeless place. And we know we, we have to acknowledge it's Jesus Christ that's doing the changing. We're just connecting to that vine that gives us life and fruit. And so... If you're in this place of hiding, I just want to encourage you. I'm, I'm sorry you're going through this. I know the enemy has shamed you. Don't try to face this alone. No, there, is a, there is a process. Just make a decision to give it to Jesus and your community of Celebrate Recovery and then trust the process. A decision followed by a process. Uh, we hope that you'll do that. Uh, you can join us any Friday night, Celebrate Recovery, uh, Fellowship Fayetteville, Fellowship Rogers. Just go to fellowshipcr.org for more information. Hey, I'm so glad you joined us today. I hope it blessed your heart. I hope you'll join us next time. Until then, God bless you.